Hey everyone, Ariel here. In this very special episode, we're going to bring you something a little bit different. Today, we'll be talking about City of Remembrance, the upcoming L5R zine with a focus on contributions from LGBTQ and POC creators. Our guests today are Ludo and Melon, two creators of the zine. I'll also be speaking as one of the zine's co-creators. We'll be going over the basics of the zine itself. Timelines, types of content it'll feature, how to submit, and we'll discuss the significance of the overarching themes of the zine as well. So with that out of the way, let's let everyone introduce themselves. My name is Milen, but people online just call me Melon. I go by they, them pronouns, and I'm an art goblin with an interest in character design and concept art. I was introduced to L5R near like the end of my first year of my master's degree. It was another school friend that told me about it. He knew that I had an interest in, in RPGs and trying them, so he invited me to, to his game. It never happened, but uh, <laughs> I got really into it anyway, like as I was making my character and stuff. This was like at the end of 2017, so I'm still a, a baby when it comes to Legend of the Five Rings. Was that your Scorpion character? Yes, yes. It was Sashi Endo. Yeah, I remember seeing your art on uh, Twitter. I think that's how I met you, actually, is I found your art <laughs> of your Scorpion. Yeah, I think I remember that. Like, I made my character before anyone else, and then I was, like, waiting. But it was taking too long, and then I started, like, creating and drawing all the the, fam- the family of my character. <laughs> That's the artist curse. That's a really common occurrence with uh, tabletop groups is like, like when you first, you know, meet a group, you have like one person who's really into it and then everyone else you have to like kind of drag them along and sometimes it doesn't work out. I was really sad at the time, but well, that happens. Well, I have to say nobody has claimed more parties than Schedule Noani. Yeah. 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 So my name is Ludovico, but I go by Ludo because, well, it's a cool shorthand and people usually have a, an easier time pronounce. I go by any pronouns. So I'm an all-around dabbler. So the one thing that unifies everything that I try my hand at is that I'm utterly obsessed with storytelling and how people use different medias. So I tend to get way deep into specific choices and the implications of certain stories and potentials and whatnot. But in professional terms, uh, I'm a biochemist working on developmental biology and I use it to be a plant scientist, but on and on, things turn around and science, there's way more things crossing over than what one imagine. And I'm also a writer. My relationship with the Legend of the Five Rings is a bit long. I think around 17 years that uh, I've been off and on again working with different uh, international partners of Alderac when they had them and involved with the uh, Legend of the Five Rings scene in Europe, especially in uh, 
Portugal, uh, Italy, Spain, and France. Your resume is so much more impressive than mine. <laughs> it's nothing, really. I mean, I just like playing and I like tying things. And the problem is I often don't have the attention to to devote to a single project, which surprises me that I've been like three, four years working on the same thing for a while. So things mellow with age, I guess. Absolutely. The uh, ability with which I can devote my attention span to an ongoing project has increased like incrementally with every year I age. So absolutely. Also, way to go. Goddamn. Hey, I'm Ariel. I'm the uh, GM of Shadows in the West. Um, she or they is fine, either one. And I'm not really sure what to say that I haven't said before. Um, my, I guess my history with L5R sort of unofficially began back when I um, was introduced, sort of half introduced and stumbled into RPGs um, when I was younger. I would always see uh, L5R books in uh, Walden Books when I was looking around the RPG section. And I think it was I think the uh, one in stores at that time was third edition. I remember seeing a lot of the red covers with the uh, silk and the, uh, I guess, the katanas and the wakizashi on the um, the designs. And uh, I guess two years ago now, I was looking for something different after um, putting a Pathfinder game on hold after some problems and um, decided to go with L5R and everyone seemed pretty enthusiastic about it. So that's kind of where this all started and has gone since. And I'm Mal... I make the audio files for our episodes, and I'm unfortunately Crow, and I don't really have anything else to say, because I'm just here to ask these three extremely cool people about their zine. That's why I'm here. So that's all you need to know about me. On to the beginning of the discussion of the City of Remembrance zine. So tell us a little bit about what your primary objective with City of Remembrance was. I would say that the, our main objective, once we started consolidating ideas about the zine, is that it's supposed to be a celebration. We are celebrating since uh, the idea started bouncing around after Fantasy Flight confirmed the development of a fifth edition of the role-playing game. So the ideas went back and forth, and the idea was to celebrate that Legend of the Five Rings was coming back with a new phase. We decided to do this celebration at the same time to celebrate also the people that contribute to this community and that have made Legend of the Five Rings what it is over the last 20 years, but on the current state of the fan base, their voices are not represented and stand a, a bit against the more homogeneous aspects of it. So basically, we went to celebrate L5R and to remember that Rokugan is for everyone. At the same time, we are also doing this to bring the community together by collaborating together. Yeah, the hope is that um, kind of uniting people with a common thread of why they love the game will kind of help to help people see that different interpretations are good and that it, you know, creates a sort of tapestry of ideas rather than 
there needing to be one true way, TM. Yeah, I know when we first started talking about releasing Shadows in the West to the general public, I was really worried because our Rokugan was so different. And I definitely got the vibe from a lot of the fandom that like there's just one way to do this. Or, I mean, you can do it other ways if you're an idiot. I can see why you'd like eating dirt, you idiot caveman. Not, not to be a bitter cow or anything, but yeah. So that's all to say, I'm really excited to see what sort of stuff people contribute to this. And I need to figure out what the hell I'm going to contribute because I have about 30 different ideas. Speaking of attention spans. Huh? First pictures. And that transitions neatly into our next topic, which is what types of content are you looking for in the zine? And I know that you kind of touched on this already or not touched on it, you listed in detail what kind of content you'll accept for it on the uh, doc for it. But in case, you know, anyone's listening and this is their first time being introduced to the zine, tell us a little bit about types of content that you are looking to collect from folks, stuff you're looking to feature, stuff that you're planning on contributing, if you feel like telling any of us that. Well, because Legend of the Five Rings has always attracted people that are inspired by its scenting and the, the interactions that it implies. It inspires people with different artistic backgrounds. And to showcase all of them, we are featuring all forms of art, either graphic or written. So we are accepting illustrations, pieces of fiction, and also for the members of the community that uh, we're always intrigued with looking with the game under the hood and making their version of uh, Rokugan really their own, the different game tools that they use for that. So we are accepting uh, game design content such as adventures, techniques, uh, lists of inspiration material, etc. So I know originally you said uh, this was going to be like a one-time release, but I think I've seen a lot of people asking, despite the fact that it's in the text, that it's only going to be a one-time release. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like I've seen you say, depending on interest levels, it might end up being more than one. Next topic is, when will it be released? Slash how often? I don't know if you have like an official set release date in mind yet, or if it's just like a window, or any news on the front of releasing more than one edition, or are you just going to lump everything into a single extremely good and powerful uh, one-time zine. Good and powerful spirit bomb. Yes. So we plan for a single issue, but as you mentioned, Mal, there's a lot of people that uh, have a lot of ideas to contribute, and there is a lot of interest in there being the continuations of this. So if there is enough critical mass we are willing to maybe make a second zine for works that we were not able due to constraints of uh, editing or time to feature on the first issue. And really, if this gets going, we will not be against the idea of making this a seasonal thing. So every season we would release a zine that has aggregated the contributions of community. And Melon has more details about the timeline. Yes, about when it will be released. We are cutting off uh, the submissions uh, around like the middle of March. We were thinking of releasing it sometime in April, but we don't have like 
a specific date in mind yet. And with this uh, discussion episode, we wanted to give people kind of uh, enough time to, if they just are hearing about it now, to get their submissions in. Yeah. So this episode is releasing, I think it should be early, early March. So if you're listening to this episode around that time and you want to contribute to the zine, do it. Uh, We'll have a link to everything that you need to know in terms of where to submit stuff and how to submit it and whatnot in the episode notes. So go check that out. Were there any other kind of like frequently asked questions that you're seeing or heavily anticipated questions that y'all want to address or answer before we move on to the name? Yes, we actually have noticed that there's some information that we may have forgotten to post And those are information that we feel maybe people will have questions about. Uh, For example, people may have noticed that our focus is on content by LGBT people and creators of color. And maybe some people, people will be asking themselves like, oh, if I am not in one of these groups, can I submit? And I will say that that this is open to all content creators in the, the Alphavar community. Uh, the thing is, we want to note that we want to place the focus on content by LGBT creators and creators of color. Also, some side notes about submissions is, if you want to submit, I guess this also maybe <laughs> touches a bit on what Mal was saying, before about having lots of ideas, not knowing what to do. There isn't like a limit on the number of submissions per person. So you can submit as many pieces as you want the zine. We did consider having like a limit, maybe like three submissions per person, but considering this is like the first zine, I guess... A lot of people have a a lot of stuff maybe they'd like to share. We just decided there isn't a limit. So you can send us all the the horse uh, pictures you want. (laughs) Good. I'm going to make you regret saying that. (laughs) She's going to send you a horse collage. Pictures of horse, man. (laughs) Someone should send in a uh, Kieran calendar of like (laughs) random shirtless utaku. (laughs) That sounds like a really Hmm. good idea, actually. (laughs) Also, more about submissions is that you can work together with uh, another person on a piece. Uh, We have already gotten some submissions for that. Having someone write a, a piece of fiction or game design and then someone else illustrates for them, like makes the the art for a scene or a character, so you can also do that. And in fact, we even encourage you to do so. I think it's really fun if you have a friend who's interested in participating. I recommend it. It's a, it's really fun. I would also like to say that this is actually a, a question that I got from one of the, the participants, and it is uh, about if they could post the, the finished art on their, their art account, like Twitter or Tumblr. And what I said at the time was, we would prefer if you only submit, uh, if you only post 
the finished pieces on your accounts after the, the zine is posted. Uh, but in the meantime, you can like post uh, work in progress pic uh, pictures or, you know, just showing the, the progress of your submission, which we will also retweet to, to our account if you, if you do so. Uh, as I said before, we are cutting off the submissions to the fanzine around mid-March to April. Uh, this will allow us to organize the pieces in the fanzine. But it isn't like... If you are a bit late, we aren't going to... It isn't like a super strict thing. So don't worry too much if you are low on time and can only submit it a bit after the... You know, after March. We don't mind. But I have to say, we'll be giving your names to the Kakita Art Police, so you might receive a visit from them. <laughs> the worst possible threat. Oh, no. I'm sneering at you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all I wanted to say. No more questions come to mind. Of course, if you finish your piece really early, we also uh, appreciate if you send it as soon as possible. Because that will allow us to organize the, the zine better, I guess. And I'm assuming that, like, when you're getting to the point where you need to cut off submissions to, to allow you enough time to, to get the zine done for a mid-April release that you'll be, like, posting on the Twitter. Yep. We will always okay, cool, cool, be cool. posting updates about stuff like that. I actually have a, maybe not an FAQ, but it's a Q uh, in that realm for y'all. If... After the zine releases and, and y'all decide you are not going to do another issue or anything, um, do you have any plans to like continue using the uh, social media accounts for it to like curate LGBT POC contributions to the Elfire fandom, or are those going to kind of retire with the uh, with the zine as well? We actually haven't thought about that yet but that does sound like a really really good idea yeah that is a really really excellent idea usually in terms of social media i defer to melon because i'm like uh, an old person compared to them no i think that would be really awesome Personally, I mean, you know, as the person that came up with that idea, so be sure to give me credit for it. The first person, the in only the world. person who's ever thought of that. The first ever Twitter user on the internet, feminist icon. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. But no, I do think that would be really cool. All right. So, as for the name of the zine, uh, why City of Remembrance? I will admit that I am not up to snuff enough on Elphavar lore to remember the significance of that. I mean, nobody should feel bad. I mean, it's relatively obscure, but uh, the the actual name it came quite late in development of the scene. So, as I briefly touched before, we were discuss uh, discussing the theme of memories and precious moments, characters that you loved, moments in campaign. And the focus was always initially on art, on big illustrations, big fiction, celebrating really the moments in which you, you made the game your own and it was working for you and you saw yourself expressed on the game on ways 
which maybe you did not had opportunity on other role-playing games or other types of storytelling media. This theme of memories and meaning kind of echoed with another project that was uh, undesigned on the side in which we had decided that it was only fitting because of its context to give it a name associated with a certain location in Rokugan, a certain infamous forest. So kind of joking, uh, it started bouncing around the idea that, well, it will be thematically fitting if both zines have, are named after locations in Rokugan. And that happens to be an actual location, a city in Phoenix Lands, that is called City of Remembrance. And that's way too convenient to not make the name of a zine dedicated to, well, Remembrance. Yeah, that's something um, I remember when Ludo first brought up the zine idea to me when we were talking just in, you know, DMs or whatever you want to call them. We were talking about sort of the L5R community needing something unifying and uplifting since a lot of people in the community are very scattered. Like they, um, there's only like a few pieces, like usually on Reddit or Twitter, but I have been surprised how often I've seen RPG players in particular kind of scattered to the winds on Twitter. Like for instance, at least once a day, I'll see a person who I never had any idea played L5R posting art of their character or posting um, recaps from their game which is a much different feeling than D&D. Like if you if someone plays D&D, you definitely know just because it's a lot more visible and it kind of moves through the timeline on uh, Twitter more easily and more readily. Again, with when it comes to, to lore uh, and background stuff about the game, I'm still a baby. It's uh, very often better that way. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Don't yeah. even get me started. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, Fantasy Flight is doing a great job so far. Yeah. I'm really glad with where it's going without getting on a tangent since that's a topic for later. We actually kind of already covered the uh, second half of this question. We know now what kind of content you're accepting, timeline for it, as well as meaning behind the name. Talk a little bit about the origins. What led you to want to make a, a zine for this purpose in the first place? Also, was there any particular reason that you chose this format over something else? I claim no credit for this idea because I took a more passive uh, role on this because both Ariel and Melon, by convergent evolution, came out with the idea that some zine or some other kind of uh, collaborative endeavor which should unite the, the community... And the moment I heard it from both of them, I was like, yeah, this is what we need. This is exactly what this community needed. So pretty much ever since they came out with that, I've been trying to support them whenever I can. About where the idea comes from, uh, I think either of them uh, has more to say. Um, I think the zine idea kind of came out of the conversation um, Ludo and I had, like I said, uh the community I felt like needed something to unite it because like I said, it's very scattered much of the time and um, finding another L5R player is a lot like being lost in a, like a video game level or something where you can't see any of the NPCs or you're lost in a desert or something. So or, like Silent Hill. Yeah. Like Silent Hill. 
Or you're in the ocean and you're waving around frantically when no one's around. No, I like the Silent Hill comparison. So it does feel like, well, the Phantom feels like Silent Hill sometimes too, so it works. You know, Maho too. And um, I guess Melon and I had a, our hive brain pulsated for a moment and we had the same idea at the same time. <laughs> uh, for me, the, the idea of the zine like also comes a bit from that. Uh, I personally hasn't participated in a, a fanzine before due to the lack of time from having schoolwork to do. But being deep in art communities, uh, I've often been surrounded by zines and other collaborative projects. Uh, I think the only thing like this I have participated in was actually a, a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure tarot card collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> organized like a fanzine, um, but, you know, for tarot cards. Uh, I just think it was really, really fun, and I got to find other cool artists. And now that I have more time to participate in such projects, I thought, well, why not give an L5R fanzine a go? I mean, I don't know many artists in the, the L5R community, so, like you said, they, they are really scattered so i want to see if i can find them in this way but it's like everyone is kind of in their little corner or at least i don't know like i don't see uh, art very often i know maybe like five or six people in the community who make art yeah yeah exactly see if we can find any any other people hiding <laughs> it's like digging for moles i have to say I don't know if this is like a, a common sentiment and like full disclaimer, it is not my opinion at all, but I, I've seen in other communities that I've been a part of like zines kind of get flack almost or people are resistant to them or, or don't understand their purpose. I don't understand. I don't know why you would object to anybody gathering together fan creations for, for something in one place. Like that's awesome to me, but whatever. Anyway, that's all to say, going off of what you and, and Melon were just saying, you, I say you because I'm staring at Ariel. <laughs> that all goes back to what Ariel and Melon were saying, was like, I don't know any other L5R artists. Like the first thing that I remember when we first started doing L5R and I was looking for art to be like inspired or whatever, it was like, Peter, that was the only L5R artist on, that, I, that I was able to find. And that's actually how I like met him was he was the only L5R artist and I loved his art. No, I feel like. If ever a fandom or community has needed a zine, like it's absolutely this one. E even like in terms of other creations, adventures or tables or whatever, there's still not a lot, but it's also not really from a, a very diverse crowd either. And I just feel like this will be good for people who are already in L5R to like meet one another and, and get to know one another, but also like make this community more appealing to others outside of this sphere that have never really engaged with L5R before because no one does it. We have had this conversation a lot of times, and that's part of what horrifies me. Being from involved with L5R for so long and in a way that, let's say, it's not the typical monolithic way, always on the fringes, I know that those artists exist. I know that people wrote this stuff. I know people are still doing it. But if you started 
getting involved with Legend of Five Rings two and three years ago, nobody will know that. You will have no idea of different foreigners, creators of color, LGBT, other marginalized groups that are part of the rich history of uh, Legend of the Five Rings, and they are still out there. And, of course, this fragmentation creates the opportunity for, like, uh, three persons think that they own uh, Legends of the Five Rings. It's interesting to everything you were just saying. I know Alfavar frequently gets flack for being, you know, like, white man's samurai fantasy. I just watched Tom Cruise and Ken Watanabe in The Last Samurai, and now I understand Japanese culture, kind of katana wank fantasy. And it absolutely is. But also... After being in this fandom for a while and engaging with people and getting to know people, I have met more LGBT people and like creators of color and people of color in this fandom than uh, a lot of other ones that I have engaged with in recent years. Not necessarily limited tabletop. Yeah, I would say uh, just like I said about the fragmentation and what what the rest of you were saying, um, the fragmented nature of the fandom kind of gives way to there being, I don't want to say echo chambers so much as chambers because there becomes this impression that there's only one true way to play um, in a lot of places where people gather of um, similar experiences, which, you know, it's not always inherently bad, but it's also, there's different ways to interpret tabletop. I have found that L5R has the most ingrained environment where it kind of is aggressive and hostile to other interpretations or creativity, kind of on the level of some of the more grognardy um, old school D&D people. Like there's the good group, of people who are just like the normal people. And then there's kind of those pockets. They kind of tend toward being toxic at times uh, at their worst and at their best. They're just kind of stuck in, I guess, typical ideas, which isn't always bad, but it's not good either. When I first got into L5R, the idea of the, the community that I had was definitely that it was like a bunch of cisgender and transsexual guys playing this when I was making my character, I was really interested in the, the whole thing of L5R. But then I was also really nervous to actually post things and interact with the, the community. And I guess what I wanted to say is I'm just glad that I found, like, for example, your podcast, Shadows in the West, because that helped me find people I know I I. I just feel comfor- uh, comfortable with like sharing my content. So maybe the fanzine can also be a, a good way for other people who may feel the, the same way I did before. Maybe also the, the old players, but also new ones that might be interested. It might be a, a good way to be like, hey, we are here. Please don't feel like scared of sharing your your content and uh, interacting with the like. There, there's more of us. There, there aren't many, but or maybe there are, but just the ones that are the loudest are the cisgender heterosexual dudes, I guess. Everything you just said is super aligned with my experience first getting into Alphaver as a artist. It's hard to like find the confidence and the creative energy I guess to continue like making things and contributing to something where it feels like you can't see yourself or where you see like nobody like you that would be interested in those things and I did run into that a lot but at the same time I'm glad that I stuck with it and that we were able to meet y'all I really do think that 
creating a space and a channel for people to voice their interpretation interpretations of Rokugan and Elphavar is just something that this fandom is in dire need of. Yeah, to uh, to a few of the things that have come up. When I first was planning Shadows in the West, I have a very vivid memory of looking through the um, Tumblr tags of Curiosity, for example, and quite literally the entire tag was just really... There wasn't a lot. You know, most of it was like official art or card screenshots. Or Peter's art. Or, Peter, or Peter's <laughs> art. Yeah, or Peter's art. But I was trying to, at that moment, decide... Um, basically what AU or what setting I'd be going with or like picking a timeline. After I saw some of the <laughs> the takes about the setting, I Ooh. kind of just tossed it out and said, I'm going to use Tagashi Empire and make it myself <laughs> because I cannot, I cannot do the canon if this is the interpretation of the canon, like the canon straight, straight up timeline where everything is just unchanged. So I hope that having the zine and, you know, a community maybe popping up around it or helping people find each other will kind of make new people to the fandom or even people who've been around for a while feel less, I guess, apprehensive about getting into it. That's something I brought up a few times when 5e was coming out was uh, hopefully it'll bring in a lot of new blood to the fandom because it was kind of asleep for a while and there wasn't really a lot of new ideas coming in and the ideas that did come in were a slow trickle and not really very often. More importantly, 5e does not have a section called playing a woman in Rokugan. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have a section called a woman's place, and it does not have a section that talks about how Kitsune clean your house really well, but if you piss them off, they'll kill oh my you. God, I forgot about that. And they're all girls. Which, as and we sexy. all know, is not true in shows in the West. But anyways... We don't know that yet. Is that a spoiler? What, that they're all girls? No, they're not all girls. That they no, all they're not gender fuckery yet. Well, there's, there's, you know, there's been like a Kitsune men and women and like non-binary oh, yeah, Kitsune right, running around the at the, pine, the party and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And Nori's a boy, huh? Well, mm. yeah, is okay. he? Not so much. He's like five. <laughs> Nori's just Nori. That's his pronoun. Nori is Nori. So... The reason we chose uh, to do a fanzine over anything else is at least the fanzines that I've seen in art communities, they all seem to, mo uh, to come in like a size that is easier to digest. And, um, well, given the collaborative nature of fanzines, we just thought it'd be a fun way to bring in members of, uh, of the community who are looking to be part of this kind of group projects like since fanzines is, you, you can make a fanzine just like yourself by yourself you know i was going more uh, on thinking about the the fanzines in art communities where a bunch of people come together and make really cool stuff okay yeah the thing about fanzines is also that it can be a one-time thing or you can also like keep doing it every year or it is also a good opportunity to bring in different people from the first other people that were not in the first issue of the the fanzine you know even if some people miss this uh, this fanzine uh, city of remembrance right now it's uh, it's looking like it might be very likely that there might be another issue so if you miss this one you can always try again to participate in the next one. And you know, let's be honest, zines are punk as hell because, as Melon says, you can uh, get uh, some newspapers, some magazine zines cut 
them and make your own zine, which then you photocop and distribute. I mean, it's really make this your own thing. And we are currently, in the last year or so, there's been really a renewal on uh, on zines in popularity, especially about uh, role-playing. And a lot of the great innovation that I've seen in terms of game design comes from these zines that a group of people make together. They play around with mechanics. They distribute them freely or with a, a token price. And they are really taking off. And honestly... They are doing way more interesting stuff than some of, you know, the the five white guys or the five white women working on industry that all fit on the same room. And, you know, when you, you don't need to pay $150 for manuals, where which have been built on uh, abuse and exploitation, sometimes of workers, sometimes quite literal. It's really, if you want to change, if you want to make role-playing your thing, zines are the way to go. And I have to say, just go into Kickstarter and look uh, tabletop role-playing and zines and you will see amazing projects. Do you want uh, a role-playing games about uh, senior citizens with the gang or roller skatings, there is one right now, and it's amazing. Do you want is a really? positive? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Grandma you... shredding. Yes. <laughs> Do you want a role-playing game that, uh, you know, it's focused on feminine, uh, femininity on a positive line? There is amazing girl underground. You can find whatever you want, and if you cannot, you find other people which you can bounce ideas and make what you feel it's needed. We can take this back. We can make it our own. Our Rokugan now, instead of our city now. I think that's a good alternate title for the zine as well, but there's no like way to put the emphasis on it in text that makes it sound as menacing as it needs to. Our Rokugan now. We should make a uh, an advertisement of that... Um. That one meme where it's like the dog standing there with the cat and it says like three million dead cops. <laughs> World is a fuck. <laughs> three million. <laughs> three million dead, I should go. Oh no, not the World is a fuck. So that was the zine topic subheader. Next one is marginalized creators in L5R. The thing is, it's complicated to talk about official Legend of 5R because, you know, the blurs between official when it comes with ghostwriters and whatnot, uh, and organizations that were working with Alderac, then are not working with Alderac anymore. And people that maybe are marginalized, but I don't want to put them on the spot and whatnot. This is a bit tricky to speak in terms of the past because it's 20 years and 20 years of a lot of mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know that much. I think we can call, we can basically, well, I think a summary would be that uh, the marginalized creators, they always been involved on official Legend of Five Rings. Even if, you know, if you are a cis white male consumer living in the United States that thinks that things just appeared by magic there, or that somehow uh, two people are doing all this work. No, 
<laughs> I mean, it's a very naive perception of the things. But uh, recently, there have been uh, an evolution. And honestly, I really have no connections with uh, the fantasy flight people. And uh, I think actually you guys can do a better characterization of uh, the modern setting. Um, from what I've heard from a uh, few people at Fantasy Flight, I don't really want to call them out. I know they said they've been pushing more for um, uh, inclusivity, like with LGBTQ themes, for instance. And um, I know they've hired sensitivity consultants. I know they've also hired uh, copy editors and editors to help with that content. Um, for instance, with the there's a section in the uh, L5R 5E core book, Royal Merlin Empire, I can't remember which, I think the core book, where they uh, talk about being respectful to faiths that are very much in the real world and not being disrespectful in private or public and kind of, you know, being cognizant of what you're playing and where the inspirations came from. Yeah, no, I was just glad looking at the new Alphabar, looking through the 5e Alphabar stuff and seeing how they went to like great lengths to not only tell you, you know, a vague message of you should be culturally sensitive to like, here's a checklist of things you should not do. Here's a list of things that you should do. Here's a list of things that if you're going to do them, maybe think about it a little harder before. Maybe don't. So in terms of the Alpha of our fandom, uh, we've already kind of talked about this a little bit. Like I said, I've met like a shit ton more marginalized creators in Alpha of our, it's more densely populated with marginalized creators than, than other like tabletop groups and, and like video game scenes that I have joined or been a part of recently. It just seems like back to, to Melon's point from earlier, uh, even if we're here, a lot of the time we're hesitant to speak up and, and make our voices heard. Neither so yeah, I'm not at all familiar with the L5R fandom of, of the days of yours. So. Well, I can go on with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please do. It's weird, especially if you are joining Language of the Five Rings in the last three years, or your experience has been uh, West-centric. But one thing that Legend of the Five Rings always stood out, that it might seem uh, obvious. I mean, now in this era, era of Twitch shows, of uh, podcast networks, of uh, Silver Age Renaissance of... Uh, of tabletop RPGs and a lot of different engines that give power to the players. In the 90s, and for a long time, Legend of the Five Rings stood out something in which players and the community felt as they have some ownership of. So this idea that Rokugan belongs to everyone and make your own Rokugan has been there since the beginning. And it was more than, uh, you know, just an easy marketing as unfortunately it became during the most dark periods of uh, its history. Fans really created much of its content, especially as, you know, Alderac Entertainment stopped collaborating with international partners. People stopped getting support as the lights went off and the the ties were cut, you have these vibrant communities that are used to contributing for the game. And suddenly, there's not a central company catering to them, but is still selling them products. 
what do these communities do? They start creating their own content and we have seen players around the world rising to the occasions and they wrote zines. There is a to be uh, the Musha Shujio zine for a while. There is a to be other, uh, other non-English zines. They wrote whole entire source books been written. The the French L5R community, for example, wrote two source books for the Gozoku era, and they were never translated from French to English. And I can boldly say that they were on part of much of the official content. And there were even unofficial leagues, you know, as the they sport uh, they stopped to sponsor official tournaments, or they acted like you know, like every Europe is a single country. So, well, if there is a tournament on the on the UK, that means that every fan can go there, right? Then, then yeah, players started making their own leagues, and they were used to be playing for storyline. So. They started to write alternative settings, alternative characters, alternative personalities, give them proxies to the official ones, and they have entire leagues. So this is happening. This is a thing. Fans, when denied the asses to a main proper way to do it, and I'm doing air codes here, they are inventive. And this is what really kept me coming back for this community is that they are at their best. They are a really creative, caring, inclusive people. And this aspect of this fandom has been lost, has been forgotten. As I mentioned, if you look now, it seems that it's a bunch of uh, six white dudes that are obsessed with the card game or that have very weird uh, oppression porn of sessions on maybe a lot of katana fetishization. But this is not what this fandom was for most of us out there. And I hope that this zine reaches them because while for many people, and it seems to be the case on the US, this is seen as a, a white guy thing for many of us out there legend of the five rings was one of the places where women people of color lgbt and other marginalized groups they actually felt safe compared with other communities i remember that the most common reason why someone started playing legend of the five rings was not because the white guy's version of, of Asian cultures fascinated them or not, is because the game and their communities, they gave them a place in which they felt safe to express themselves. Because this happened, and I and the groups that I entered in contact were much more diverse than what we'll assume, I know that this fandom contains those people. I know that this fandom can be an inclusive place and that we can do better because at our greatest points, we did so much better. And now here we are. No, I'm just kidding. It's way better than it was two years ago. It is so much better. Yeah, I'm just a baby. 
I wish I had some stuff to say about the the fandom in the past and the game, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know much about it. I have a, an addendum about the types of content that we see because there are consequences for this perceived life lack of diversity. I mean, if the fandom or how owners of the brand can perceive the fandom takes a lot of impact on what we see from them to Legend of the Five Rings. It's different of the owners of the fandom that are uh, making all the financial decisions, think that they are catering for uh, some cis white guy in the middle uh, Midwest of the US that probably never saw person of color. Is completely different if they think that they are uh, uh, catering to an international, no, diverse community with a lot of marginalized people. And other, it goes beyond that. It also goes into smaller behaviors of, of the community. So, and also which kind of stories end up being told. And part of, you know, of uh, you make your own rock again is... You make the game you want to play with your table wants to see. Go ahead. All the power to you. But the problem and where you start to see these ideas that there is a right way to do it is because if the same type of story gets echoed over and over and over and over, it's always the same time of monolithic people telling it over again, just by sheer repetition those people would think that this is validation, this is confirmation that they are doing it right. I think that is what caused uh, a lot of the dispersion on the last years and why things are becoming, at least in the perception of the people in general, more homogeneous. Because, let's be honest, if Legend of the Five Rings is a game in which you play privileged people. It's a game in which you play people that are collecting the benefits of privilege, but they still have a lot to climb socially. Being this kind of uh, middle manager for an awful uh, feudal system, it creates a lot of opportunities for drama. And... If you are someone from a privileged background, you tend to go for the more obvious, boring power fantasy. You want to climb that ladder. You want to do anything to go up in status, to get more privilege, to secure more privilege. Them, whoever is on their way, they will enforce any unfair element of the system without criticizing it. And if they can benefit from turn coating at every opportunity in order to gain more privilege, they will. So this leads to very inspired dual repetitive stories. How many times you can have a story of what she, with the, what is basically a low-tier executive making to CEO of a company? The problem is that it's Rokugan Inc. And let's be honest, this is not the kind of story that most of us went to see in 2019. So if we only listen to this voice, this is what we'll have. This is what the only version of Rokugan we're going to see. 
But if we listen to marginalized people and the type of stories that you tend to get, they tend to always offer a perspective that is being underrepresentative, especially in terms of how do you deal with some privilege? How do you deal when you have a bad system, when you are critical of the flaws of the system, but you are also aware of your own privilege and how that can be used? The stories at, it, at their core, they start more about how do you enact change? How do you pursue a better world and the efforts to preserve what they found beautiful? Of course, how are you accidentally reinforcing the system that you hate and how much can you get away with? And this manifests in all different ways that are possible. And again, they reinforce and make every single story better because the more people you have there taking different angles and different approaches to this kind of drama, it will enrich all our perception of Legend of the Five Rings instead of reducing it to paint-by-numbers power fantasies. And I think Fantasy Flight Games, they did a great job on that. If you read the, the new version of Emerald Empire, they made enough subtle changes in which Rokugan is an awful place. There is awful systemic prejudice, but the world has been getting better and better by centuries. My perception of it is that it's a world that is flawed, but it's worth fighting for and it's worth improving. Yeah, that um, that definitely has been my perception too in reading the new content is... um. It definitely gives the, yeah, this world is flawed, like most places, all places really, but it um it gives you hope that you can make some kind of change and the world hasn't just been in a frozen time loop or something for the past century or millennia and it uh, gives the impression that change can be made and change has been being made and concessions are being made or people are enacting change. What you were saying about how someone that is accustomed to living with a lot of privilege in, in real life approaches the setting differently and approaches the immense privilege that any player character in L5R is going to have by default just because they are a samurai. That's a really good point. And I'd never really thought of that before. But as you were talking about it, I was thinking about how like, I, I don't know, I've never really thought of it from this angle, but I feel like that was a, a I don't know. Like when, when I looked at Shadows in the West, we were playing it. I mean, I've always loved it, obviously, but it just felt so different from other L5R games that I had seen on podcasts or online and story format or whatever. And, and I feel like that is the reason. It's like we are interested in the setting, the dressing of the setting, but none of our interests centered around how can I use my samurai privilege to manipulate this situation for my gain. That definitely touches on the point I made a little earlier about uh, looking at the Tumblr tag and just seeing people gleefully kind of, I don't even know if celebrating is the right word, but just gleefully being completely comfortable and not at all conflicted with the setting at that time as is, which I've had a few conversations with people in the past on, like, if they ask me about why do you choose to actually Empire. At the crux of it, like Ludo said, and like Mal was touching on, is it makes me very uncomfortable 
to consider some of the things in the canon from my perspective, like on a personal level. Like, for instance, (laughs) the idea that was brought up a few times was gay people being forced to marry someone that's straight, which is a thought that makes me very ill and people kind of don't understand unless they're LGBTQ themselves. The inherent terror of living something or being forced into something that's not you. And it's always approached from this perspective of like... Authenticity. Yeah, but also... Everyone's miserable. It's drama. exactly. It's like, okay, you're right or you're not wrong, but if that's really what you want to do with your game time, great. But stop thinking of this setting as limited to that. What the fuck is your damage? And that reminds me of one of the first things that I encountered when I was first getting into L5R and looking for like supplemental materials to familiarize myself with the setting was some expanded lore document about homosexuality in Rokugan and women in Rokugan. And I was kind of excited because like, holy shit, I would never have thought that I would find a doc on this. And I opened it up and it was just some guy writing with this almost like smugness about how women are inferior in Rokugan and these are the things that, here's a list of things that women can't do and that gay people can't do and it just reading it just made my skin crawl because it was like you're delighted by this you are taking the setting as permission to say these things that you want to say that document is actually the document that I saw when I was in the tumblr tag and what was my final decision to AU the setting. It was gross. Yeah. Sorry. And I hope whoever wrote that is listening to this episode. And if you are, fuck you. Go um, take a I stroll would, into I open traffic. Say, anyway, yeah, I've Melon, seen go ahead. that document when I was also looking like for L5R content in Tumblr. And I was like, um, okay, this is why. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> what, uh, what else can you say? You have to see it like this. I mean, isn't there already like enough stories of LGBT people having a bad time? Like, why can't we just make it like a normal thing? Just, you know. I like how we all came upon that wretched document separately. I am horrified because apparently there is an awful document that is way more popular than the official statement by Alderac on sexuality on Rakugan, which I actually helped compose. But that supposedly Um. is lost. But some random guy power fantasy is very popular. Even that is a manifestation of power fantasy. Because, hey, if this game, if you that only experience privileged and engage with from this point of view of well, this is me playing privileged while my privileged fantasy. You you take this approach and then you see every single element of the game like that. And then you feel comf- perfectly comfortable to write something as that nonsense. And all of that comes right back around to why this zine is so fucking important in this particular fandom. (laughs) So thank you for making it. (laughs) Because not only do I want to drown that bullshit out for good. That's the idea. But more people just need to see that this isn't, this isn't the setting. And if it was at one point, it is no longer. I got salty. 
But how could it not have, I guess? I wanted to, to add a thing to, to Mal's commentary about uh, oh, Shadow in the West that you don't think about how much they benefit of the privilege. Uh, I actually, I found that uh, Shadows in the West is pretty critical about that. I mean, you don't need to actively think. That's for weird people like me that want, you know, to understand every decision. Why this is phrased this way? Why is this the active voice? Was it here and here the passive? Why is someone pseudo disavowing this while indulging in this? This is the kind of things that weird people like me think. But clearly, even if you're not going to this analytical point, because you clearly have a different relationship with privilege that informs your sensibility to these topics. And there's a lot about these critics that come in the text or the subtext that if you are open to that, you see. And it can be sometimes just a commentary about the nature of ruining, assumptions about ruining, assumptions of certain clans, expectations of samurai, even the way there are four player characters and the topic of money comes out and the different reactions. Those are things that come organic and natural inside of the West that really show that even if there is not an active effort, it's part of the narrative and it enriches it. So it gives this notion that these characters know their position in the universe in which they supposedly live. I'm glad you came back to that because when I had originally started talking about that, I, in my way, got distracted by an errant thought and didn't actually complete the one that I had started to say. What I had intended to say originally was, we definitely don't approach Rokugan, I, I think, from that sense of how can we utilize our privilege to manipulate scenarios to our advantage or whatever, which isn't to say that we aren't aware that it's there in the setting and that our characters have immense privilege. Like you, you brought up the thing about Ronan specifically. I, I, I was thinking about it when you were talking about it and how a lot of Crow's story and a lot of themes that have kind of become a huge part of Crow that weren't necessarily the original intention, but they came out just because of the nature of the setting as uh, coping with a loss of privilege or a perceived loss of privilege while also still actually benefiting from it quite a lot, which is something that is very, (laughs) it's very prevalent, especially in the LGBT community is people think that, well, I'm, I'm gay or I had a gay thought once, therefore I I no longer have any kind of privilege. And I I feel like (laughs) I may be getting a little ahead of myself because we haven't, we've sort of already seen kind of a glimpse of that side of Crow, the shitty side of Crow, the privileged side of Crow, the entitled side of Crow, um, but we haven't gotten too deep into it yet. And and you've only kind of seen her soft side. Kind of got away from myself in there. But yeah, no, that isn't to say that uh, even if we approach the privilege aspect of Rokugan differently, it's such an integral part of the setting. And I think that it can be a lot more meaningful if it is explored from a different angle. Uh, going back to Ludo's point, what he was saying about um, themes in, in the narrative, I'm glad you noticed because while a few things, from my part at least, were conscious, some of it was unconscious, and we, I kind of like, along with the other players, uh, arrived on it by accident, that we were kind of 
doing a shared theme of children don't always do what their parents want. Yeah. And I feel like my own problems with blind authority or, well, not even that, just like unflinching authority and adherence uh, really come out in certain parts. Um, I'm very leery of what kind of people are attracted to power and how they misuse it and how it often corrupts even the most well-intentioned people. And there's kind of a lot of that later (laughs) in the show. Yeah, I was about to say something, but it's like a huge spoiler, so I'm not going to say it. (laughs) So yeah, once more, this fucking zine is really important. And I hope that any and all of the marginalized creators who may listen to this episode will find some kind of solidarity in all of this. Because it's been, I won't lie, this discussion has been pretty cathartic for me. If you're listening to this and any of this resonates with you and you feel like you've hesitated to speak up, and make yourself heard in the L5R fandom. There are other people out there like you. And we're just as pissed off as you are, I promise. And zines are punk as hell. The last topic that we had before the closing was the direction L5R is headed, which is like tone of the official L5R, current edition and past editions. Well, I think uh, in case it uh, has been lost in my ramblings, I think overall the current edition of uh, Leonard of the Five Rings is looking quite promising. I mean, I have played a lot of the new edition. I'm going to start soon my fourth campaign on it, and I love the direction it's taking. It clearly feels much more inclusive, much more respectful. You are given full ownership of the text, but... Fantasy Flight Games is, I was like, hey, remember, don't use these cultures as a costume, respect these people. This is important for people that live out there. These issues, they are still troublesome issues in certain countries. Don't make casual use of these. And this really helps to steer the boat on the on the right direction. And Hopefully, they will continue this for the next books. Uh, they will include uh, diversity editing and sensitive reading. As for the community, I mean, I hope the fans finally have platforms that they, they can use to prop up those talent and passionate content creators. I mean, we hope to be doing that. We have little platform, but we want to create this zine. I hope you know that someone that is listening that has managed to carve a platform, well, why don't you use that platform to lift other creators, marginalized creators, usually you rise them above yourselves and give all the support you can. Even just for pragmatic reasons, you will benefit. The community will get more diverse, the community will be enriched, and people will remember that... You supported marginalized people when they needed. We all benefit by having more diverse voices heard. This hobby becomes better. Yeah, we are doing this fanzine, uh, so we get more people to speak up. But I would also like to say, like, if you also want to make a fanzine or anything like that, we encourage you. Like, It's really fun, and we'd like to see more of, of these... Um, collaborative projects. I think 
it doesn't have to be just us doing a fanzine for L5R. You can make your own as well, like with your group of people or also try to get more people involved. I just wanted to say that. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't own L5R. We don't own zines. We are just some idiots that trying to, to do something good. If you do your zine, please do. If you have something, some project out there, please tell us. I swear we'll signal bo- boost whatever little influence we want, we can. I mean, we want to see these things and we want to see more and more people creating. And if you do something, we will love it for sure. We, again, the more voices out there, the more we are making this thing, Rock Again for Everyone, that's all we want. That's, at the end of the day, that's that's all that's needed. <laughs> Unless you're yeah. homophobic or <laughs> racist. If more of you uh, are interested in doing stuff like this, uh, let us know because, uh, well, at least personally, I think I'd be interested in participating in more projects in the, the L5R community. Yes, and same with Shadows in the West. I know this episode isn't about us, but I am always happy personally, and I know Ariel feels the same way to use our Twitter to promote the hell out of uh, other L5R creators out there. So... Yell really loud so we can help you yell louder. All right. Next bit is closing. Let's start off with thanks and shout outs or whatever. Uh, Ludo, Melon, Ariel, if you want to uh, shout out to anyone out there making the L5R scene cool as shit. Well, I'd probably just shout out to, to all the cool artists out there. I know they are out there. I've seen some, like, even on, on Facebook. I mean, in a group, but it isn't very often. But sometimes I see stuff there and also on Reddit and Twitter and Tumblr. Please keep doing more art. I mean, I have to give shout out to... There is this show, which probably you guys never heard about, <laughs> Shadows in the West. Maybe no, you're not allowed to talk about them here. <laughs> I think my biggest shout out have to I have two particular shout outs. I have to give a big shout out to L5R Philippine community because especially during this big dark age they have been one of the best content creators and they kept a lot of things alive. And in a similar vein, the the Brazilian Legend of the Five Rings community, because a lot of people are getting into that in L5R through the wiki. And part of the reasons why the wiki even exists is because during a lot of the, the worst moments of this fandom, it was the, the Brazilian community that was working tirelessly to maintain it and a lot of also a lot of non uh, west based communities that took a crucial part to that so if you have let's say something related to the lore of legend of five hours and you use the wiki you might not be aware that uh, your work uh, benefits from all these 
nameless and uh, so far uh, invisible people, at least for the US audience. Shout out to Bill, uh, Lily for staying quiet. <laughs> yeah. Lily says, Lily says gay rights. Yeah, Lily says gay rights. Um, I would also like to shout out to the artists and the uh, writers and fit creators that I see uh, on Twitter. I've seen a few. Um, I haven't was looking at AO3 the other day briefly when someone mentioned an L5R fic and I guess there's some new L5R fan fiction that's been showing up in there so that's pretty cool. What? I haven't read it. It's cool to see people more people writing in the uh universe. Wait, I lied. I'm not I'm not a part of your zine, but I'm going to break the law anyway and say shout out to you three guys. Guys in the gender neutral sense of the word, sorry. Um shout out to y'all an all-inclusive pronoun for well first off just doing this and also coming on to our show because it's fucking awesome to be able to feature y'all on here even though ariel you're you're like the dm of the show (laughs) the reason for the season (laughs) but also just like even outside of the zine and and being here like y'all three are just such a persistent source of positivity and creativity and enthusiasm for l5r in a landscape that is as we have discussed often quite barren or not barren just mad maxian yeah sometimes depending on what part you go to don't go into the place where the shadows touch the the horizon yeah Um, sometimes it's it's frustrating for me being surrounded by like fandoms for these other tabletop games that are just like overwhelmingly popular. Like obviously D and D is like the obvious choice here. And it's like, great. I like all these games too, but then we have, you know, like a very comparatively, we have a very small handful of people in L5R and y'all three are always just present and making cool new shit and just having newer, fresh ideas. And you're not afraid to voice any of them. Um, (laughs) Y'all having the the good grace to not be a, a big old bitch like me. Seriously, thank y'all. I'm so excited for this scene, and I am so happy that we were able to feature you. And I am so grateful for each and every one of y'all's contributions to this fandom. But also, <laughs> you're just really cool people, and I like having you in my life. Mm. Okay, thanks. Thanks a lot. This really means a lot. Words are meaningless and everything is entropy, but I'm glad. <laughs> Anything specific you wanted to reiterate or, re- or re-emphasize or emphasize? And then also uh, let everyone know how they can submit. So if you want to submit to, to City of Remembrance, we have a Google form, uh, which I guess will be part of these documents that we will link it. So... That is how you can send us your pitch, your contact. Uh, tell us what type of contributions you would be interested to feature. And as soon as possible, we'll get back at you, discuss the details of the pitch, and decide uh, if we're going to greenlit that and how we will be featuring it. If you want... Even if you are not interested in contributing and you want to to try to find out more creators and meet more people of this community, you can follow us at L5R Zine 2019. 
for fencing information and updates. I think the best point I want to reiterate is if you have an idea that you did not feel it was the time to come out or that you have uh, an adventure or a fiction which you did not finish because you did not think that there will be people out there that would be interested. Anything you have, I know L5R players. I know there is a lot of people out there with amazing ideas, amazing half-finished projects. I would love to see them all. I would love to feature them all. And I would be amazed if we are able to have as many people of this community to hear about them. We hope you enjoyed this very special episode and that you're looking forward to City of Remembrance even more now. City of Remembrance is aiming for an April release. So if you're interested in submitting, there's still plenty of time. For more information about the zine, as well as how to submit to it, you can check out the episode notes for more details. And if you'd like to find the zine on Twitter or ask questions, you can find it at L5RZine2019. Thanks for listening. For all the latest updates in our podcast, be sure to check us out on Twitter at SITWL5R. You can also join our Discord server to talk L5R, tabletop, and everything in between. Shadows in the West is played using the fourth edition of the Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game, developed by Alderac Entertainment Group and owned by Fantasy Flight Games.